Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website Gulf Shore, excuse me, uh, johnsonsairconditioning.com. I can't multitask that well, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is NaplesIllustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's also written several books, mainly on past presidents. We're going to be talking about uh, the effects worldwide of the coronavirus. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about Norman Vincent Peale and his calming message during times of crisis like this. And we'll visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of a couple of books, Actually, three. His last two, they're sequels. One is uh, Follow the Leader, and its sequel is Shake the Money Tree, which we're seeing in Washington, D.C. right now as we speak. It is March the 16th, and on this day in 1802, the United States Military Academy, the first military school in the United States, was founded by Congress for the purpose of educating and training young men in the theory and practice of military science. Of course, it's at West Point, New York. It's now called West Point. Located on the highest west bank of New York's Hudson River, West Point was the site of a Revolutionary-era fort built to protect the Hudson River Valley from British attack. In 1780, Uh, Patriot General Benedict Arnold, the commander of the fort, agreed to surrender West Point to the British in exchange for 6,000 pounds. However, the plot was uncovered before it fell into British hands, and Arnold fled to the British for protection. Ten years later, after the establishment of the Military Academy in 1802, the growing threat of another war with Great Britain resulted in congressional action to expand the Academy's facilities and increase the West Point Corps. Beginning in 1817, the U.S. Military Academy was reorganized by Superintendent Sylvanus Thayer, later known as the father of West Point, and the school became one of the nation's finest sources of civil engineers. And it played an important role in both the Mexican-American War, the Civil War, and, of course, the first African-American to become a cadet was in 1870. And uh, now the the Academy has more than 4,000 students, first woman enrolled in uh, 1976. Established the Military Academy in 1802. Well, it's been a wild week. As you know, Wall Street ended the week with the same way it began in full retreat from the coronavirus. Stocks fell sharply and the price of oil sank Friday as the federal and state governments moved to shut down bigger and bigger swaths of the nation's economy in the hope of limiting the spread of the outbreak. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slid more than 900 points on Friday, ending the week with a 17.3% loss. That's a big loss. The index has declined in four of the last five weeks. The latest sell-off wiped out the market's gains from a day earlier and capped the market's worst week since the financial crisis of 2008. 
Investors are worried that the coronavirus will plunge the U.S. and other major economies into deep recessions. Steps to contain the uh, spread of the outbreak are causing massive disruptions and layoffs. Optimism that energy actions by central banks and governments to ease the economic damage has waned as investors wait for Trump administration to deliver on legislation that will pump billions of dollars into hurting households and industries. Unfortunately, investors say they need to see a number of new inflections Infections stop, rather, be accelerating for the market's volatile skid to ease. <clears throat> the Cir- Securities and Exchange Commission published rule changes on Saturday that allows the New York Stock Exchange to conduct all electronic trading. On Monday, the first day of the trading floor will be closed. That's today. It'll open at 9.30 and should happen immediately for all stocks subject to certain trading bans. Existing circuit breakers and that would halt trading Briefly, but the S&P 500 de- uh, declined by 7%, 13%, 20% will continue to be in effect. In other words, uh, when it hits 7% down, boom, the market uh, slows down substantially, and that's automatic. Same with 7 uh, 13 and 20%. The S&P uh, SEC noted that the rule filings were temporary until May 15th. Well, right now, <clears throat> one in three Americans is asked to stay at home. It's over 100 million Americans. It's amazing. Corona cases in Florida spiked to 1,007 Sunday evening, and one more person died, according to the latest numbers. This comes as the state announced field hospitals will open in South Florida's Broward and Miami-Dade counties. The metropolitan areas account for about half of the state's positive cases when combined with Palm Beach, where a COVID-19 patient died, an 88-year-old man, according to a Sunday morning update from the Florida Department of Health. Now, uh, they say he died of COVID-19, but 88 years of age, that gets to uh, perhaps uh, finishing one's natural lifespan. In any event, a total of 937 Florida residents and 70 non-Florida residents have been infected, that according to the DOH. More than 11,000 people in Florida now have been tested for the novel coronavirus with 9,330 coming back negative. Now, that's a very positive statistic. Uh, that's about 1 in 10, which is about what the uh, vice president suggested yesterday in the news conference. There are currently 33 in the county, uh, we're talking about Collier County, who've been tested positive, that according to the State Department of Health. So uh, Senate Democrats Sunday blocked a critical economic relief package worth more than $2 trillion, stalling plans to uh, pass the bill by Monday and send it home, send it on to the House. Of course, the market's not reacting very positively to that. As we're speaking, the futures, Dow Jones Industrial Futures, are down about 500. The measure includes uh, sending direct cash payments that would average about 3,000 per family and expanding unemployment insurance, as well as 350 billion dollars in aid to struggling small businesses. It also provides 500 billion in loans to industries hurt by the economic slowdown. But Democrats are holding out for big changes to the bill, which they argue creates a slush fund for big industries and lacks sufficient protections for workers. Well, I don't know why uh, these people can't see the fact that if the country, if their companies that they're working for are out of business, they have no jobs. Uh, I heard, uh, and I've forgotten his name from the Acton Institute, doesn't matter right now, but the important thing he said that stayed with me, he said if we took all the capital in the world, cashed it all in and divided up amount of everybody in the world, in other words, had total economic equality, every person would get about $16,000. But what do they do with it? 
There'd be no uh, elements of production, no factors of production, no business. We need to keep the businesses going, keep them in business so they can continue to employ once this thing is over with. Nevertheless, the Democrats are trying to hold out for uh, more protection for workers. They voted against a procedural step to start debate on the bill, which Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell hoped to pass today. He was visibly angry on the Senate floor, entered motion to reconsider the measure, and said he'll bring it up again today on today's vote. We have this vote again at some point by uh, choosing, and hopefully some adults will show up on the other side of the room and understand the gravity of the situation and the need to act before the market goes down further and the American people become even more depressed about our lack of ability to come together under the most extraordinary of circumstances, said uh, McConnell. The Senate bill is a, is a product of a day of bipartisan talks and includes many of the provisions sought by Democrats. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said uh, Democrats are now writing their own bill in the House. The measure is likely to include protections for workers, unemployment insurance, expanded beyond what is in the Senate bill, and partial student loan forgiveness. Democrats can also seek additional restraints on how the Treasury can use liquidity to help industry hurt by the economic slowdown. Unbelievable. On Fox News Sunday, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said the federal government would be able to leverage $4 trillion to help businesses for about up to 120 days. They also seek hundreds of billions of dollars in aid uh, to states to help them deal with medical costs associated with the coronavirus. The uh, Senate bill includes $110 billion, but the Democrats say it's not enough to address the shortages of protective gear and equipment for health care workers. It falls short of what medical providers need, said Joe Manchin, Manchin, a key centrist Democrat. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer accused Republicans of drafting a partisan measure and said he's working with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin to change the legislation and achieve a deal. He says, we're closer than we've ever been, but there's still too many problems in the proposed legislation. Can we overcome the remaining disagreements in the next 24 hours? Yes, we can, said Schumer, and we should. The nation demands it. Well, his petty concerns about unemployment insurance, let's get people back to work. By the way, the New York Times butchered Democrats for blocking the stimulus bill and stunning headline on Sunday night. And then the New York Times at the end of the night tweeted out this. A new headline, Emergency Economic Rescue Plan in Limbo as Democrats Block Action. So they changed it from skewering the Democrats to uh, basically saying they stopped the movement forward. Equity futures climbed off uh, the limit down Sunday uh, evening as Congress continues to grapple over the details of the third stimulus package. Well, President Trump tweeted that uh, Sunday that his administration will reassess its response to the coronavirus break. A virus outbreak at the end of the 15-day period that calls for Americans to limit their normal behaviors, an effort to slow down the spread of the virus. There's so much more to talk about. We're going to talk about it with Mark Schulman about this coronavirus. But uh, one thing we didn't cover on this segment is the fact that uh, there is a promising two-drug elixir that's proving to be effective in eliminating the novel coronavirus in patients confirmed to have the infection. Uh, it's hydro. Uh, hydrocloxiquine and uh, anti-malaria drug and antibiotic azithromin uh, dramatically shorten the recovery time for people with COVID-19. And we're doing something about it. It's being shipped to New York and will be there tomorrow as we speak. So maybe we'll see some uh, sun at the air, some light at the end of this tunnel. Perhaps this drug cocktail will work and uh, perhaps end 
this uh, quarantine. One in three, one in three Americans now shut up in their homes. Unbelievable. The economy is grinding to a halt. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Mark Schulman, the founder and uh, publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community, thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. And, of course, performing arts, everything's getting closed down right now because of the coronavirus. We're going to talk about that uh, and more with uh, Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of a terrific website, multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll visit it. It's really, uh, really important uh, tool for young people to help them better enjoy history as well. HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. 
Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, uh, you're now, I think this is our third broadcast uh, where you've been in Israel. Uh, are you still there because uh, you want to be or because uh, you can't get home? It's a combination of both. Let's put it that way. I have a couple of kids here, and it's a combination of, frankly, the situation is much better in the, under control in Israel right now than it seems to be in the United States. So that's a plus. Uh-huh. Um, so, so there's no reason to come go back to the pandemonium that exists right now in the United States that I think is going to get much, much worse in the next uh, six to eight weeks. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, the president's, uh, you know, had this four-point program. He's got to shut down for 15 days, and you know, he says... 15 days is a nonsensical statement he made last night. There's no 15 days. There's two, three months in the best that any anybody who has been, who's been looking at this can, can see. 15 days is nothing, because... 15 days, first of all, the shutdown is is not even close to hermetic. B, 15 days from now, is just going to tell us the state of affairs today. So he, uh, uh, let, let me be clear, he, he basically... Let's not live in some sort of dreamland. The situation is going to continue for at least two months, if not four months, in the so, best-case scenario. Yeah, but he did. He said he was going to reassess after uh, 15 days. We're now eight days into the 15 days, so... No, uh, please. Let's 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 leave that aside. Let's let's talk about serious things. Not what he happened to have decided to tweet last night. Well, no, this is what he put in place uh, a week. Uh, well, eight days ago, he basically gave he us. He hasn't put anything in place. He hasn't made any national directives. What are you kidding? Every everything that's taken place has been on the state and local level. So there's no national directive for 15 days or anything else like that. Each state, and I'm not saying he should or should not. I'm just making a statement of yeah. fact. Every lockdown or shutdown or anything else has been a local decision by individual states. And it should be, no shouldn't nationwide it? nationwide policy about anything at the moment whatsoever. Well, that's the yeah, way it should be. Uh, the governor should be concerned about the well-being of their own people, and they can make the best decisions with regard to, for example, California. Yeah, except for the fact that, excuse me, we, we discovered when we created the Constitution that there's a little thing called interstate commerce and travel between states, and there is no way... Um, to uh, isolate an individual state. So I don't really agree with that, that, that direction. I mean, certainly input should become from all the states, and not everything has to be done exactly the same, but a country like ours needs a, needs a national policy because uh, there's too much interconnection. It's not like, you know, each individual state is a fortune. Well, that's a... Let's just take this from, from a, a scenario, right? Let's say that some state is really, really effective in everything it possibly does, and it manages to isolate the virus and keep the virus uh, into a small cluster of people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, what happens when people travel into the state? We don't have borders between states. We can't have borders between states. That's unconstitutional. Say, so, Mark, I mean, uh, you're in Israel right now, and I'm curious as to what's happening in Israel. But right now, you've got to understand. did a couple of things right. You've got, you, you got to understand. understand they did everything right. So you've got to understand. a couple of things. First of all, they were the first ones three days before the United States in closing uh, travel from China. They included Thailand, Hong Kong, Japan, and Taiwan in, in the first round. Mm -hmm. um, they closed off. Europe um, a week and a, a week and a half before the United States did, and they closed off the United States as well um, about uh, two weeks ago, where everyone coming in from any of those countries have to come with come to a fourteen day quarantine, um, and only Israeli at this point only Israeli nationals or, or residents are allowed into the country, um, and um, as a result, 
it ha- Israel has about 1,200 cases, but almost all of those came from people who were abroad. Mm-hmm. And what they do, literally, is every time a case, a case happens, they literally publicize the exact route that that particular person went for people who might have interacted with them. They've given an application they just came out with yesterday so you can it keeps track of your own GPS locally. It doesn't supply it to anyone else, but it can then check the routes of other people and it can see whether you possibly could have interacted with someone who was, who was infected. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one comment, of course, Israel's the size of, it's smaller than the state of New Jersey. It's got about 8 million people, as I recall. No, absolutely. It's, it's much smaller. It has a much easier time of doing it. It only has one real international airport. Right. So it really can, can gain control in that sense that the United States really can't. I mean, the United States has about 40 international airports. It has sites from, I don't know, 100-something countries. Yeah. Uh, so it's much, much more difficult. Um, it's much more difficult to get uh, Americans to go into 14-day quarantine, even though that's what's recommended. I mean, look at Ron Paul. He should have been in quarantine. He didn't go in. He didn't go into quarantine. And look, who knows how many may have infected half the Republicans in the United States Senate. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, what so we're finding out Americans is... Have a, um, one of the great things about Americans is the fact that they're rugged and individual, etc., etc. But sometimes you just got to listen to... You know, medical advice. Yeah, your your comment reminds me of Winston Churchill saying, you know, you can always count on the Americans to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. Look at this example of Ron Paul. I mean, the Ron Paul thing is it's hard to even put into to thought. The man is a, trained as an ophthalmologist, right. has medical training. He um, he knew he was, uh, he was exposed. In, in Israel and even in the United States, anyone who was exposed to somebody else is immediately ordered by the health department to go into their own 14-day self-quarantine during the period of time, whether, you know, during those times you'll see whether you develop symptoms or not. Yeah. And he decided to ignore all of that. He got himself tested. And the day that the results came back, he was in the Senate gym. He was in the Senate swimming pool. I yeah. Mean, think about that. Yeah. No, I think there's five people infected now in Congress, so uh, it, it's ha- having its impact already. One of the good news, right, the bright spots. Congress needs to do something very, very quickly at this point. So one of the yes to put in place the method of, of remote voting, because there is no method at the moment. If the Senate or the House does not have a quorum, they can't operate. Right, and they need to have a physical quorum. And just think of what could happen to the United States government. If we don't have it put put in place immediately, a method for remote voting. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we we've suspended the uh, sunshine laws here in California, which demands uh, that uh, eliminates the need for the. Uh, in other words, w- there could be meetings without necessarily being in the same room, and uh, so that's that's an easy thing to accomplish. The Congress needs to do that. But I, the uh, you know yesterday in the press conference, uh, Vice President Pence was tested for coronavirus. He found out after a couple of days. Uh, that it, he did not have it. He and his wife, uh, very invasive procedure as he described it, but uh, apparently a new test is coming out now. So, But he said that only one in ten of those who have been tested actually have the virus. So that's good right, news. So that's good yeah, news. Good news, but that's only so far. Keep that in mind. And then the other piece of good news, of course, is the drugs right now as we see, sit here, this cocktail that's been developed of uh, hydro 
uh, chloroquine, yeah, I but, guess. But, but, that may be great news, but it may be no news. The, the, so far, the test with it included uh, 10 patients. Yes. We'll see this. We'll start seeing this week when there's some larger scale tests. That's right. Uh, but just remember, we again, we know so little about this virus. That's one of the biggest problems we have is we know so little. Mm-hmm. We don't know what its long-term effects are. There are many reports that it leaves patients with 30% reduced uh, lung capacity, even if they recover. Yeah. Um, so we just don't know. And what else we don't know is we don't know whether if you've had the had the uh, virus, whether you can get it again. There's an, another good piece of news, though. There's this, apparently another type of uh, right uh, the, a doctor in New York. What is his name now? I'm looking right now for the email uh, that uh, found uh, suggested that there's something that can heal. For example, adult respiratory distress syndrome symptoms like that, which is what the coronavirus does. In other words, reverse the process of uh, lung damage that uh, can be provided to patients as well. This is being tested in New York as we speak right now. So there's some, po- you know, one thing is to have right, a... Look, va- look, there's a lot of positive. I have no doubt in my mind that within six months, a year, some period of time like that, the scientific worldwide community that is now all focused on one thing mm-hmm. will find the solution. Right. No, no doubt about that. Many six solutions, I would year, say. Uh, that will happen. So, Mark, you know, I take get, I take a drug. You know, as, as, as Governor Cuomo keeps on saying, we have to get from here to there. We will get through it. Right. But we have to get through. We don't know how much, how long it is, but we have to get through it. That's right. So and That's the challenge. And, of course, the challenge also is going to be, economically, nothing will look the same after it's over. Right. So uh, I take a drug uh, for uh, leg pain because of my stenosis in my back. It's gabapentin, and uh, this is originally created for seizures. Uh, however, it serves a secondary purpose to support people like myself. There are a lot of drugs out there right now, so there may be more than one solution to this problem that already exists, and we just need to go through the process of determining. I, I, Teva Pharmaceutical right now, as we're speaking, is developing this hydrochloroquine, I guess it's called, and uh, zithromycin. Max and chloroquine. Uh, they're sending they're, uh, they along with uh, Mylan plant in, in, plant in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, Teva. They're they're all working to develop these drugs. Teva has donated a, a lot. It's an Israeli company that donated, I think, twelve million doses of it just now. Yeah. So but again, uh, we just don't know. Look, we have to we have to look upon this on a, on a two two front basis. On one hand, we need the hope. Right? Yeah. People need hope. We all need hope. We need to hope that this is not our reality for the next five years or whatever period of time it is. Right. So we have to hope that these drugs work, and we have to you know, really hope that. Yeah. On the other hand, we have to assume they're not going to work. And we have to maintain the distance and uh, separation and yeah. all those sort of things to make sure that we don't get infected or the greater part of the population doesn't get infected because the percentage of people... Uh, that seems to be both in France and in Italy, and now in New York City even, that require, who are infected, that require an ICU bed is, is somewhere in the area of 20 to 30 percent. Yeah. And we so, don't have enough ICU beds. So no, mo- one expe- you know, no, no one could have projected that need, and it takes time to create them. And then we don't have the doc- you know, we need doctors in order to, or nurses, and we have a, we've had a nursing shortage in, in much of the Western world for the last 20 years. Yeah. 
So they've got lots of problems. What we're uh, one of the things I'm seeing looking out the the windows. I mean, we the streets are empty. I mean, people are following the isolation call the request, and it's voluntary. It's not mandatory here in Florida. So uh, I'm encouraged by what I see. Listen, Mark, we need to take a, take a quick bite, uh, break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <clears throat> wow. That's <laughs> going more on. of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Yeah, well, the the, the big. The, uh, big, the biggest tragedy of this whole thing is that... Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. And Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples and, uh, at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French plan. bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning like cuisine at really Blue Provence and enjoy you know. one of Florida's <laughs> most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable yeah. evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a yeah. week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Well, Blue Provence the French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Yes, he has, Mark. He definitely has. In fact, this. His comment yesterday was that he's actually had companies that have stepped up. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work well when this whole thing is over. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. So, Mark, uh, we're visiting with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific website, multimedia website, historycentral.com. And, Mark, uh, I forgot to pot down. One of the disciplines of what I do is to be able to remember to shut down my microphone when I'm talking off air, and I didn't do it. So <laughs> everything we just discussed is uh, now public information. Okay, well, we didn't talk about all your great secrets, so it's okay. Yes, that's exactly right. But um, look, you know, one of the things that we should really think about is, you know, what happens the day after. And I think it's going to require a lot of innovative thought because the world has never seen what has taken place um, in this period of time. Right. I mean, we, you know, it's, we're long past talking about a recession. We're clearly 
will be in a depression. Yeah. When we're talking, the Fed is talking about a 30% unemployment rate yeah. um, in Q2. Um, it's, we're seeing it here in Israel. We, it went from 3%. Today it's already at 18% and going up a percent or two a day at this point. Yeah. Uh, look, you, you, you have whole sectors that have been wiped out. Airline industries, uh, the hotel industries, the restaurant industry, uh, retailers. Things will change. I mean, the, you know, certain, certain companies are going to come out much stronger. Look at Amazon. Yeah. I tried to order something. I mean, I did order something last night to be delivered in Connecticut from Amazon Prime. Usual delivery is one day. So I ordered on Sunday. The delivery is, next, is Friday. So the reality is um, they're, they're being overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, they're being overwhelmed by, um, by orders. Right. And, People start ordering from Amazon, they're not going to go back to the store they used to go to, quite honestly, or at least a, a high percentage of them won't. Well, I'm going to suggest there's going to be a lot of positive changes coming out of this, including, uh, for example, off-site learning, uh, the uh, the ability to have meetings and, and get work done at home as opposed to going to right, no, places. There will be massive changes. I mean, people will say, well, why did I have to fly to wherever it is right. in order to meet somebody? I can do it on Zoom from now on. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Now, that's good on one hand. It's good for... It saves money, it saves the environment, it saves, you know, various things. Not good for the hotel industry, not good for the airline industry. So, so it's going to be massive, massive changes. Yeah. On top of which, of course, demand is going to be way down, obviously. Yeah. Um, because people are going to be, you know, first of all, people are going to be suffering financially. They're not going to be rushing to buy anything new until they're absolutely sure they're out of it and their chance that they, you know, their job is secure if they have a job. Right. And so demand is going to be very, very, um, it can be down considerably. Well, demand, um, I, I disagree with that because if, if we're able to keep businesses open, and that, I think that's the plan right now, is to make sure there's a line of credit for corporations so they can pay their bills and not have to go into bankruptcy, uh, then they'll be able to reemploy their people. I think demand will go way up in a hurry when people are back at work. They have the uh, pent-up demand that has not been is not being fulfilled during this crisis. So uh, if, in fact, we get through, first of all, get on the other side of the curve with the virus, then number two, make sure that businesses are able to stay open, then I think we'll we'll get through this, and the economy I think will snap back pretty quickly. You're optimistic. I tend to be more pessimistic when it comes to that because I think the the curve on the other end is is not that quick. Yeah. Um, unless we had come up with a complete cure yeah. or a complete uh, vaccine in the next you know three months. Doesn't need to be a cure. It needs to simply reduce the impact of the of the symptoms substantially. You can have the main thing is you just don't want people in hospitals and on ventilators. You want if we can have, for example, this drug that we talked about, this cocktail works and uh, does exactly that. I mean that the, no matter who has the virus, right. now, the crisis that, is that over. Make a major impact if it actually works. Yes. Between between that and actually working, we don't know. Yes, I agree. We with don't it. know. We don't know whether the virus. Will mutate is the other big problem with right. like this. They mutate. Well, there's so. there's so many possibilities of what can happen in the future. I mean, this really could have happened. I mean, what we're experiencing right now, it really could have happened. We had no idea it could, but it did. And uh, I'm sure there's right, a, a lot of unknowns. We, 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 we certainly no one prepared in time. That's one of the problems. Yeah, well, my view is that... When we, the history of this period is written, it will say that uh, nowhere in the world did they take what was going on in China seriously enough and assume that it was going to arrive in their countries. Yeah. When in today's world, you have to assume that 
travel is too, you know, we, we live in too much of a porous times, and that if, if China has a virus like this, it will eventually get to every place else in the world, and every place else in the world should have been preparing well, for that day, and no one did, really. Yeah, and uh, one other thing before I let you go, Mark, I'm, uh, you know, right now we're seeing uh, the movement now in Congress to get our vital businesses like pharmaceuticals out of China and back to the United States, which are, they should have never been in China in the first place. So uh, there will be some positive I mean, things. Remember that, I mean, that's, I think that's important and very needed, Remember that was because of, of a different aspect of this of the situation. Yeah. That was because China collapsed economically and wasn't producing anything, and therefore we weren't. You know, we were, we were worried about a recession, not because we'd be all sitting at homes and can't go to restaurants and they'd all be closed. We were worried about a recession because our manufacturers weren't getting the parts they needed in order to produce. Yeah. Well, so we, we've been hit by multiple sides. Let's put it that we way. We certainly have, and there are and, tons uh, of un- to acknowledge no your point. The book for this, I'm afraid. So let's hope we have some brilliant thinkers somewhere. We're going to find a way out of it for for all of us. Uh, I would agree with that. A lot of unknowns right now, but of course uh, we were delusional thinking there weren't unknowns before this all started. So, <laughs> Mark, I ju- you know as usual, I just, I, I just got a, got a notification. <laughs> the number of cases in the world is now. Uh, 350,000, and deaths have passed 15,000. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. As usual, we have more to talk about than we have time to cover it. So, Mark, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week. Stay healthy, Bob, and all your listeners. Stay home. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed. He is the... Uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation Foundation for Economic Education. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Closed down a season uh, because of the coronavirus scare, but uh, they are a vital organization with great programs, and I hope you'll find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He's also an author. He's written a couple of books. He's also the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Larry, are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here, Bob, but I can barely hear you. I'm so sorry. I don't know why this happens. Can, can you hear me better now? Um. No, I, I think you said, can I hear you better, just ever so slightly. All right, I'm so sorry about that. I'm potting up my microphone as high as I possibly can. So, uh, Larry, um, you wrote a column about Norman Vincent Peale, a real uh, p- place of calm in the midst of the storm. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale was a remarkable man. And, by the way, I just learned uh, in talking with you before I came on the air that you had met him. So I envy you for having uh, had that opportunity. He is probably the uh, best-known self-help guru of the 20th century. Uh, He and Dale Carnegie probably would vie closely for the top position in that regard. Mm -hmm. Uh, His most famous book was The Power of Positive Thinking. He was born in Ohio and uh, later uh, uh, pastored at a church Marble Collegiate Church in New York City for 52 years. Mm. He was a radio personality, frequently on television. Um, He was author of many books, uh, but that uh, most famous one was The Power of Positive Thinking. More than 5 million copies have sold since the first edition appeared in 1952. Uh, He had a very folksy philosophy of encouragement and optimism and self-help, and um, you know, I think uh, that is probably m- more needed right now in this virus uh, situation than uh, it's been needed in quite a long while. We could use a good dose of Norman Vincent Peale right now. Absolutely. You know, Larry, I will tell my little story uh, off air. I would mentioned to Larry that uh, I had the privilege of introducing him at a speech when he was in his early 90s. And uh, he lived a long and prosperous life, actually. And uh, But here's this little 90-year-old man kind of withered up, and I'm saying to myself, how's this all going to go? Because we were speaking to three or 400 people. I had the privilege of introducing him and having dinner with him. And the marvel, and the, the I'm going to call it a miracle that I observed, is this little man gets up on the podium. He stretches himself out. He looks like he's about six foot two and he has this <laughs> booming voice that just absolutely and the message was so powerful as i recall it was just an amazing thing to me to see that yeah that's quite remarkable wish i could have met him now he did uh cause a little controversy on at least one occasion mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people put that aside over time and respected him on both sides of the political aisle but in 1960, he took a public stand against uh, John Kennedy for president based upon Kennedy's Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peel was concerned that uh, a Catholic in the White House might feel a greater loyalty to the Vatican than to the United States. Right. And you know, a lot of people felt uh, that, that way until we finally elected a Catholic, and uh, that's not a concern uh, 
that, that's been present really ever since. But at the time, uh, Adlai Stevenson of the Democratic Party uh, made a comment about Peel that I think is just precious and, and quite funny. Uh, Adlai Stevenson said, uh, when asked about Peel's opposition to Kennedy as a Catholic, uh, Stevenson said, I find the Apostle Paul appealing and the, the Apostle Peel appalling. <laughs> But in time, uh, President Reagan honored uh, Norman Vincent Peale by bestowing upon him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And then uh, a Democrat, Bill Clinton, uh, made some very positive comments about Peale when, when Peale died on Christmas Eve in 1993. Yeah. Uh, Clinton said, in a productive and giving life that spanned the 20th century, Dr. Peale lifted the spirits of millions and millions of people who were nourished and sustained by his example, his teaching, and his giving. An amazing man indeed. And, you know, I think science has pretty much proven that uh, his message is true. In other words, uh, when you have positive thoughts and when you, you know, you don't want to be sticking your arm in a meat grinder and saying, I love it, I love it. So you have to be in touch with reality. But if you think positive about your circumstances, it's better for your health and it's better for the outcomes in terms of society. That's right. Uh, Peel once said that people become really quite remarkable when they start thinking that they can do things. When mm -hmm. they believe in themselves, they have the first secret of success. And, uh, wow, uh, that can-do spirit of, you know, uh, put your mind to it and you put your shoulders to the wheel and you can surprise people with how much you can get done. Isn't that an attitude that we need uh, right now uh, more than ever before? Absolutely. And uh, I would suggest right now that we may feel like victims, some of us, because we're not able to do the things we need to do. We're under self-quarantine and so forth. But, hey, we're each in charge of our own universe. That's the one place that we can all control. That was the message of Norman Vincent Peale. And we need to think about our lives in that regard. Larry, did you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so I, I still can barely hear you. I am so sorry, Larry. I, are you using a piece of equipment to pretend? In other words, are you speaking directly in the phone? Uh, I'm using the same phone uh, as always. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, in fact, uh, up until you brought me on, I could hear you just fine. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Larry. Well, there's a couple of guests that I have on the show on a weekly basis where we have this problem. You're one of them, and I'm so sorry <laughs> it's happening. But nevertheless, your message is so important. I'm going to encourage our listeners, if you have a young person in your life, uh, uh, have them find out more about the Foundation for Economic Education because it stands not only for economic education, but also taking personal responsibility in your life, which is such an important part of the message coming from the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, they, they have a very robust website and also have uh, programs that are probably going to be postponed until this the whole thing is over. But nevertheless, uh, your life, the life of a young person in your life will be enriched by knowing more and participating in what uh, FEE has to offer the Foundation for Economic Education. You can go to FEE.org, F-E-E. Dot org. Larry, I hope I got all that right, but I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. And by the way, you can find uh, Larry's column on uh, Norman Vincent Peale at the website, fee.org. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTegg. Jim is a uh, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He used to have his own uh, press pass for the White House, but he's uh, written a couple of books since his retirement. Uh, his latest two are murder mysteries, and they're really outstanding reads. They're called Follow the Leader 
and shake the money tree. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jim McTagg. He is uh, the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He had his own uh, press pass to the White House. He also... Uh, is an author of uh, several books. His latest two are Follow the Leader and the sequel is, uh, as I mentioned, The Money Tree. Both great reads. The locus of the show of the uh, uh, novels of murder mysteries is right there in Washington, D.C., and it's fun to read. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. This uh, It's a rainy morning in Washington, and it's uh, pretty quiet because, uh, you know, I'm three miles from Reagan Airport, and uh, often... I have a, a plane coming over the neighborhood every 60 seconds, and now you don't hear anything. Yeah. Like that, this for weeks, it's a, just a, a sign of uh, how the economy has shut down. So uh, I've been watching old movies. You know, I'm, uh, my wife and I are sheltering in place. Uh, we're both over 60. She has underlying conditions. And so we take this very, very seriously. And uh, there's a great old movie called, uh, you've probably seen it, it's called Battleground with Van Johnson. And it's about the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, 
and most of the movie takes place in the fog. So it's a metaphor for the fog of war. Yeah. You know, uh, and um, I mention that because we're in a kind of fog of war now. Right. Every day we learn something new about this insidious virus that we didn't know before. So, for example, you know, initially we thought that it impacted the young or the old uh, in much greater uh, numbers than it impacts the young, and we're finding out that's not necessarily true. It's kind of like a a Russian roulette. Some people get it. And it's a, it's a terrible sickness for a week or two, but it's a fever and a headache. Other people get it, and within days they're on a ventilator. And it doesn't matter what age. Uh, yeah. So, and we're learning, like the New York Times has a story today that, you know, people can be asymptomatic for weeks, uh, but one of the early signs is you lose your sense of smell and you lose your sense of taste. Yeah. Those are two. Who, who would have thought? But, uh so we have the president, you know, standing for re-election. He no longer has a stock market to stand on. He no longer has an economy to stand on because it's been taken away by this virus. As for the uh, wall and immigration, people don't care. We are, you know, just pick up your newspapers, turn on the TV. It's coronavirus. That's the elephant in the room. Yeah. So his fortunes, his political fortunes, are really tied to the uh, his uh, conduct of government uh, during this pandemic. And uh, it's too early to... Uh, I, I know a lot of people are, are you know, the, the never-Trumpers, the Trump haters, are already declaring uh, failure. Uh, it's, it's, it's too soon, uh, but it's going to be tough for the president because... Um, even if he pay, you know, they say they signed this stimulus bill today, which uh, fortunately is is two trillion, not one trillion. Yeah. I thought one trillion was too small. Right. It's going to take weeks to roll this out. Yeah. Because the bureaucracy in Washington is just uh, biased towards inaction. So, uh, in terms of uh, you know the everyday guy who needs to pay to rent or buy some groceries. Um, it's not going to uh, immediately leave uh, uh, their problems. No, but I would I would say this, Jim. I mean, uh, the the president, as he outlined this last night, and I thought the press conference was so really good and he basically said look our plan is basically let's get these businesses we got to first of all kill the virus get on the other side of it and get on the other side of the curve uh, then let's uh, make sure the businesses can stay open we don't want them going bankrupt because once that happens then uh, you know things are really uh, drawn to a, to a halt so let's keep these businesses open so we can reemploy people, get the economy going again. And uh, I think if that happens, good things will happen. The Democrats are slowing down this this program, uh, this two trillion dollar program, because they want things like unemployment insurance and snap. Wait, you know, let's just get businesses back going, and with full employment, we'll be back. Uh, our economy will get going again. Yeah, what they've done in Europe. Actually, Europe was uh, a week or two uh, ahead of the United States on this. Like Germany, the the uh, strongest economy in Europe, uh, they passed a uh, six hundred billion dollar loan guarantee program for business immediately, so so that uh, 
no German business would would go bankrupt, number one. And number two, the government said that if necessary, they will nationalize the auto industry and all key industries. So that really uh, extreme, uh, but it, it, it calmed nerves in uh, Germany. Um, so, uh, you know, our initial proposals for a uh, response which were below a trillion dollars, were way too small when you saw what was happening in Europe. Yeah, yeah. So they they have the level correct, and uh, I don't think a day or two of delays will matter that much, but to your point about the uh, the unions and all, you know, it's uh, it's politics, and, and, and you just cannot untangle politics from a pandemic in an election year. It's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. that was the other thing the president said. Like, I'm very concerned about martial law, what we're seeing right now, and the uh, people should be in control of their own lives and make good decisions in concert with taking steps by the government in order to keep us safe, which I think, but there's a balance there. And one of my concerns is, uh, as you mentioned, in Germany, nationalizing businesses, that's not something we want to see. We want to make sure they have lines of credit so they can stay open not nationalize them, take them over, which is a uh, socialism. Uh, yeah, the German auto industry is in trouble. It's being challenged by people by, like Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it has to transform itself uh, from the old technology to new technology. And uh, with this uh, collapse of sales globally, the whole German uh, auto industry could collapse, and that's really the backbone of their economy. So that's a very unique uh, problem. You know, getting back to Trump, I think uh, yesterday one thing that impressed me was that he put the onus on the governors in the 50 states to take the lead. He's saying, you know, we'll give you uh, money, we'll give you support. He has the military putting up uh, field hospitals, which is a good thing. Uh, but I also think, and he should emphasize this more, that the uh, the governors of each state are the uh, generals in this battle. Yeah. You know the front line people. So uh, uh, I thought that was a, you know, speaking of democracy and and uh, uh, our abhorrence to over centralization, uh, that was really a good move. Uh, on his part, I, I I just want to underscore what you're saying. That's so important. I, everything he said resonated with me because he was basically saying he was trying to push the decision-making process down to the lowest level where they can make the best decisions. I mean, maybe Mississippi has one or two cases. They don't have the problem that perhaps New York City has, which has half of the cases in the United States. So uh, governors can make a better decision about how to allocate resources, and, uh, and so as city and states can. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, let the people on the front line make the crucial decisions. Yep. Uh, not people far removed in, in uh, Washington, D.C. So I, uh, I thought he should have emphasized that uh, even more. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe they will in the days ahead. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, the other thing I, I think is promising is that the private enterprise, you know, like IBM allowing the supercomputer uh, people to have access to its supercomputers, uh, expediting trials of uh, drugs in the in the in the field during these crucial times. Um, yeah, that, I, you know, I think that's a, a marvelous uh, response that reflects the strengths of our free enterprise system. I could having ne- said that, you know, the 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 germ, you know, hunkering down like uh, we are is is good. It'll it'll truncate the uh, spread but i think you know the genie is out of the bottle and we are going to have um 
you know, uh, for the next two weeks, it's, it's going to be pretty scary, and our hospitals are going to be overwhelmed, and our poor doctors and nurses yeah. uh, are going to be uh, working to the point of exhaustion, and hopefully they stay well. Uh, it's it's going to be an ugly uh, period, but it's also uh, Americans have a short memory. <laughs> it's a long time. Well, uh, and I'll, and and I'll say this. I'm so, in, uh, uh, you know, personally, I'm not making any <clears throat> predictions at this point. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm encouraged uh, by the uh, volunteerism and the, what we're seeing, companies stepping up, uh, individuals stepping up, people doing the right thing in order to protect each other. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, I don't like the fact that we're in this situation, but I appreciate how people, most people, are responding. Jim McTagg, again, author of Follow the Leader and uh, Shake the Money Tree, two great reads. Jim, genuinely appreciate your commentary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, and uh, I hope you and your listeners remain healthy. And safe. Thank you so much, Jim. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. So much to talk about, so little time to talk about it. So uh, I hope you all are safe. I hope your your lives are uh, not in any way encumbered by illness. I hope we all stay healthy and uh, do the right things. Make good decisions. Join us tomorrow. We have great guests. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. <laughs>